Welcome to California School News Radio. Here are your hosts, Kevin Osmus and Drew Schlossberg. Good day to you. This is California School News Radio, the voice of education in California. Every week, we bring you newsmakers from the world of education to discuss what's going right in our schools from the perspective of administrators, teachers, students, parents, and community members. I am Kevin Osmus from DMA Communications, and with me today, as always, is my colleague and co-host, Drew Schlossberg. How are you doing today, Drew? Doing great. I just feel terrific and ready to get back at it. It is. Well, school is back in session at some school district in Southern California. Technically, we're still on our summer hiatus. However, this is a special summer edition of California School News Radio, and uh, we, we are very excited to have our guests with us today. In March of this year, Rio Hondo College announced that Dr. Marilyn Flores would succeed Superintendent President Teresa Dreyfus as the school's top administrator. Dreyfus had served two separate terms as Rio Hondo's superintendent president before retiring. Dr. Flores officially began her term on July 1st. At the time of her appointment, Dr. Flores was Vice President of Academic Affairs at Santiago Canyon College and had previously served as Interim President of Santa Ana College from July 2020 to December 2021. She's a seasoned educator with more than 25 years of experience in education, including over 20 years as an administrator in the California Community College system. Dr. Flores is a first-generation college-goer and a proud parent, and she is our guest today. Dr. Flores, Welcome to California School News Radio. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Well, it is an honor to have you on the program. Uh, You have been on the job now for just over a month. Uh, Please tell us what you've been doing. Have you learned everybody's names yet? No, but I'm trying to, and I'm (laughs) trying my best. Um, What I have done is um, I've begun what I call a listening and learning tour. And so um, over the last month, I have really focused on walking um, the college and actually visiting not just the college campus here, but four of our outside external sites that we have. Um, I think it's been a wonderful opportunity for me to come to individuals, to get to know their workspace, to get to know their names, um, to get to know what they do every day, their needs, um, their highlights, what they're proud of Rio. And one thing I have noticed is that we have a lot of alumni Um, which speaks volumes for the institution. And we also have individuals that have been here for many, many years. Um, So it really showed me the culture of Rio that's really embedded in the community, but a lot of belief and faith in the good work that Rio does. So that's been my primary focus and, and trying to get us up and running. As you mentioned, we're in the end of summer and getting ready to prep for the fall term. It's a very exciting time. That is the most exciting time of year, I think, at any school is, is are, are the first days. I mean, just the, everybody's on campus, meeting new people, uh, reestablishing their friendships, meeting their professors. You've only been in the, the job now for a month, but talk a little bit about your administrative experience prior to coming to Rio Hondo College and, and some of the insight that you have gained from, from all of your years uh, working in the, in the community college system in California. So I've worked in multiple sectors of education, as you kind of referenced be, uh, before. I've worked in K-12. My first job was a fifth grade bilingual teacher. So I started in the K-12 environment. But having worked at middle schools and high schools for the UC system as well, uh, for private universities, either in a teaching capacity or an administrative capacity, what I know is that the community college system is where my heart is at. I have learned that 
community college can be a tremendous asset to individual students at whatever whatever place they are in life, whether if with their career goals or where whether with their academic goals. And that is to say that what I've learned is that I need to be present as a leader, not just at the institution, but in the community that we serve. Community colleges succeed, and, and I really firmly believe this, because they are so embedded and integrated. We don't believe in working in silos. We believe in working together as a team with industry partners, with political partners, with community-based nonprofit organizations. And that sense of team building and collaboration is something that I believe firmly needs to continue to exist within all capacities. We need to collaborate, we need to listen, we need to learn in order for us to succeed and grow. And so that's something that having worked in different institutions of higher ed, it looks different, even within community colleges. So one thing I always say is that it's my responsibility to get to learn the institution first and foremost, become a part of its culture, and then start to think about innovation because all institutions are different. The communities we serve are different. And so I'm not one to come in and just say, this is what we're gonna to do tomorrow. We're gonna to change X, Y, and Z without really understanding the institution. And so the, the intentionality of me starting with my listening and learning tour is there because it's so critical to leadership. If you're not listening, you're not going to succeed as a leader because you need to understand whether you agree with how things are happening or not. You need to understand why the institution got to that point because that history matters. And then you need to figure out how to get the institution to potentially a different model or how do we innovate? And in order to do that, again, you have to listen from individuals to get a sense of what their experiences are. What are they bringing to the table? Um, and making sure that they have a voice in order for there to be buy-in in order to create change and innovate and be an effective leader. As I mentioned many, many times, I don't have the answer. And, and I even said it in my interview, I don't have the answer to everything. And I hope you know that, but I'm gonna rely on my team to come to me with answers because I can't be who I am unless I'm working as a leader that listens and incorporates all of those suggestions to come up with the best solution for our students. So let me ask you a question. You've been doing your listening and learning tour now for a month. Anything jump out and surprise you in a very positive way? For real, Hondo, what really jumped out at me is how much wraparound services we have for students and specifically to special populations. So if you find yourself coming from a specific population, let's just say you are a single mother, we have a support service for you. If you are a veteran coming in, returning to school, we have a program for you. If you are a first gen, second language learner, we have a program for you. We have such a breadth of services and the level of, of intersectionality between these services and the collegiality and the collaboration is just, I was impressed. A lot of community colleges have these services, but the caliper and the presentation of excellence in these services is, is I'm, I was extremely impressed. You know, we, we pride in the services that we, that we offer our students and we pride by having them in centers that are not necessarily, um, you know, that, that basically have a, a face that's welcoming. It's not in the corner, you know, it's for, in the forefront. 
it's very clear to the services. We try to take away any type of, you know, negative or any type of stigma that students a lot of times are very worried to go get a service because they feel vulnerable. These centers are so welcoming, so inviting, so high in quality that that was something as I walked around, I was very, very impressed with. Right. And what would you say are the top goals, either on behalf of yourself or for the college in terms of this is where I'd like us to be? So right now, um, I have sort of shared these with a couple of different constituency groups and in different venues, and I will be doing the same at our fall convocation. But one of the things that I really think that Rio Hondo needs is a little bit of what I've been saying is TLC, right? We are mixed with brand new buildings to buildings that are maybe 10 years old to some buildings that are quite frankly are, are older that we need to work on. We are located in such a lush hilly area with beautiful views, but we really need to give ourselves a little bit of tender loving care. Um, and I say that is that we will be launching a phased out approach to supporting our maintenance and operations in our facilities to help us beautify our campus. And part of that will be your traditional power washing, paint, but the other is looking at our ADA, looking at our safety and security, signage, you know, are we presenting ourselves as the quality, does it match the quality of services that we have? And I would say we have a high caliber quality of services, but not such a high caliber of how beautiful our campus can look. So that's one area that we're looking at. And as you know, supply and demand chain and the pandemic put everything on hold. And so we're now really getting ready to revamp those efforts. The second is that the types and ways in which we deliver services have morphed a little. Um, we've grown in online platforms so that we give students a choice, whether they want to visit a counselor face-to-face -face or whether they wanna have a session online, which is something that we really didn't have before. So our work and the nature of our work may have changed. So I have asked all of our, the vice presidents to look at their areas and look at their organizations to see if we have to operate in the same manner. Do we still have a need for a clerk typist versus a technician? So really taking a look at our organization and seeing is that department the right size for th things that have changed? We know that enrollment is down right now. We hope to reinvigorate and reconnect with our community to bring that enrollment back. We are really looking at right now another campaign. Who did we lose? What students did we lose? Was it young adult? Was it older adult? Was it male? Was it female? Was it certain demographic? And we're really looking at that data and our folks in student services are really focusing on reaching out, reaching out to you know, to students that we may have lost. Were they the formerly incarcerated students, foster youth? Were they our DACA students? Are they our LGBTQ students? And, and doing some intentional counseling, some intentional outreach. So that's additional goals that I have is getting back those students that we lost and figuring out what was the gap because that's gonna inform us how our organization may or may not change. And so they're doing this exercise and looking at what their structure looks like while at the same time seeing where's the need. So that's kind of a long answer, but it's multifaceted and, and some of the things that we're really trying to do. 
And I, you know, you answer that and it is multifaceted, but that is why you're president because you can, you know, you, it, it, there's so much, it just kind of it blows my mind to know that how much would a president uh, need to know uh, in all of these like little, little details, but, but you've proven in your past job experience that you, you can key right into this minutia. It looks to me like you kind of just know everything that's going on, maybe not yet after one month. <laughs> Uh, but 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 you will, and and it sounds to me like you've got the magnifying glass and the and the and the Sherlock Holmes hat, and you're you're going around trying to trying to find all that. And community college is is so important. It was certainly important in my life. I was a returning student, and I had a chance to go to a university, and they they said, well, Kevin, you know. Your transcripts aren't very good. You're you're going to have to give it a, another go at the the community college. And I went for a year, not Rio Hondo, unfortunately, a, a different one uh, in the area. But I had a great time, you know. And even though I was twice as old as everybody else, uh, the student, but you you just feel welcoming. So, what is it about the the community college experience that you love and is so important for for the students? Santa Ana College, Sandy uh, Santiago Canyon College, and now Rio Hondo College. You know, one thing that I take pride of with our community college system is that we meet the students where they're at, at whatever level they're at. And so I think in your example, we have students that have been out of the educational system for quite some time. So when they get to the door, we assess where they're at and what your long-term goals are. If you don't know what they are, we have conversations with you to figure out what your end goal is. But we service, I used to joke around and say that you only have to meet two criteria to be a community college student. One is that you have a pulse. And the other one is that, you know, you were 18 years and older, but now that's even changed. So really, if you have a pulse, we're here to serve you Um, because you can enroll as a dual enrolled student. You don't even have to be 18. You can start taking classes early on. If you've never graduated from high school, that's okay. You don't need to have a high school diploma to go into community college system. If you're looking to just refresh your your language skills, we have a class for you. If you're looking to get a promotion at your your, um, work in your industry, we have a class for you. And so, you know, it's not this system where you have to meet criteria in order for us to accept you. You show up, you're accepted, and we will meet you where you're at, help you define your goals, and do everything possible to make sure you stay on that pathway, whatever it may be. It could be a short-term goal of just refreshing my skills, or it could be a longer-term goal to obtain a transfer degree and transfer to either a four-year university, a public university, a private. As you know, the community college system has been very successful in transferring students. And quite frankly, if you look at the graduation rate of students that go straight into a university and those that transfer, students that transfer from a community college system have a higher success and graduation rate. And I see that. I see that in our students and I see that in my own children. I believe in the system so much that my own son just graduated from a community college system and is going to a four-year. As he's beginning his journey at a four-year, he speaks volumes about how he is happy that he started a community college system rather than going straight because it would have been too overwhelming for him. And because community colleges are so communal, we're very intentional, we're high touch, we bring the services to you, a student has a likelihood of not getting lost in the system as potentially the UCs and the Cal States and the privates that are much larger institutions. And that's something that I believe in the community college system, which is why I fell in love with the system, which is why I wanted to 
you know, continue my career in this system and hopefully retire in this system. I mean, this is, this is my last stopping ground, I hope, um, because I believe in the system so much. Well, and you also have extensive experience as a UC student. You uh, got your bachelor's degree in liberal studies at UCR. You got your master's degree at UCLA. And Drew is very proud of you for that. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, but then you went back and got your doctorate also at, at UCR. So you're very familiar with the UC system and uh, especially at UCR. So when it comes to transferring, uh, preparing kids to transfer to the system, you, you can bring a lot of uh, solid experience there and, and help and advice. How does this shape your, your, your view, having had all that experience as a, as a student in the UC system? I think having had the experience of gone straight from high school to the UC system and feeling that true sense of being lost as a first generation uh, college student, I didn't take advantage of services because I didn't, I wasn't aware of them. And when I talk about Rio having front facing services and how important that is, I would have loved to have had that experience because I was quite frankly, I was lost. And luckily I asked questions and I was able to navigate. I did not go to the community college system because I, Quite frankly, I wasn't even aware there was a community college system. And so um, I probably would have gone into in the trajectory of transferring. Given that, I also know how important it is to maintain our relationships with our Cal States and with our UCs in order for our students to transfer and get their bachelor's degree. And when I say that is Rio and in my previous years, we have always had strong intersegmental collaborations and partnerships with our UCs and some of our privates to come up with systems that will guarantee transfer to certain institutions. Or for example, in honors, in many of our honors programs, we will have high rates of transfers. And so for example, this last fall of 2022, our Rio honors students transferred at a 81% rate to UCLA, go Bruins. Um, but again, how do we create those pipelines that gives students the edge into the UC systems and the Cal State systems. And as you know, they're severely impacted. And so even students that are high performing students, they're not getting to some of these institutions. And so my role is how do I create a structure that allows our students to get into the UCs or Cal States or privates at a higher rate? And how can I partner and better prepare them so that they can be successful as I was? and fill that void and that gap that I felt, right? How do I create that structure at the, at the community college system in order to go to the UC system? I was lucky that I went into the UC system because for me, it was affordable at that time through financial aid and scholarships. I couldn't have been able to go to a private. And again, because I wasn't aware of the systems, I didn't even know there was a Cal State system. Um, so really when I applied, I followed and did what my friends were doing and they were all applying to the UC system. So I landed there by accident. But once I was in the system, I learned how to navigate and I learned how to make it the best educational experience for me. And I'm really proud to have graduated from the UC system. Yeah, you know, I want to get back to that, talking about getting those students ready to go on to college. And in a few seconds, I'll talk about college and career, not college or career. It's college and career, which is very, very important. But you also mentioned earlier about the dual enrollment and what a great opportunity for those area school districts that can get those students teed up and they could be as young as freshmen. Probably they're most likely juniors and seniors, but now they could finish their high school experience with an AA degree. Is that something you offer? 
Yes, so we do have one um, of the high school districts that we have an early college academy. This last day, year, they graduated a cohort of students. So now we're taking that model and bringing it to the other high school districts. So that's one of the things that I have on my next month is I will be meeting on one-on-one -on -one with the superintendents and sharing some of the successful data. Um, I really firmly believe that there isn't a reason why we should not have more high school, more college classes in our high schools. We are revamping a lot of our, um, what we call CCAP college and career awareness readiness programs agreements with our high schools. We're also going to take a step further and see after we've had the structure set up where it's seamless, we can look at the middle school now as well. There are students, as you know, that are dual, dual enrolled in high schools from high schools that are attending the college, actually have them, parents drop them off at the college and are successful that are middle school. And so really trying to look at how do we create structures and models that are seamless, where a student will be taking a sociology class at their high school, where they're getting A through G requirements met, but they're also getting that sociology requirement for their degree and or certificate. The four sites that we have offsite, two of the four are right across the street from high school. That is an opportunity. We're also looking at credit recovery, which is another, another challenge for the high school. Students that have lost credit because they didn't pass a class. Well, if they did that, instead of putting them behind, why cannot we provide credit recovery, non-credit courses that are free to them that give them that credit so they continue to stay on track. So it's, it's on both ends getting college credit, but then also getting credit recovery so that they continue to succeed in high school. Yeah. And what's so cool about that is seeing your enthusiasm. Obviously, it's in your DNA. You're such an advocate for that student. What the student looks like or where they may have come from, actually help them with their goals and focusing on what they want to do. And it's about time the K-12 districts learn from what you folks in the community colleges have been doing for a long time and figure out what the kids want to learn. And we all know when students are motivated, they just go off the charts on how they can succeed. So really kudos to you on that. You know, before I turn it back over to Kevin, something I do want to talk a little bit more about, and in the same vein, is college and career. And that's such a big component of what you folks do at the community college level offering those courses that can lead to certificates, internships, and so forth, such as going to a four-year school. Let's talk about that. So, um, and, and you bring to mind the recent activities that we just had. I mean, we did just have um, middle school and high school students on our campus two weeks ago um, and doing um, a lot of hands-on activities in our career technical education department. So they were building robotics, they were doing using GIS surveying, um, and again, these are middle school students that are getting hands on to equipment that we use in college classrooms for certificate programs that are basically uh, defined and that are at the level the industry is using right now. Um, and so one of the things that I take pride in at Rio Hondo is that not only do we um, provide a series of associate degrees that qualify for transfer, the ADTs, we also have a broad range of career technical education. And most important, our contribution to essential, the essential workforce. And by that, I say our nursing program, our um, auto, auto tech program, our fire academies, our police academies. Those are all essential workers that during this pandemic were still high in demand. 
And so it's really nice to be able to have such a broad range of needs that our students that our students have, and also to ensure that we're working with industry so that we are producing students that can that students experiences that lead them right into employment. And I could go on and on about all the other programs that we have, but those are the bigger ones that are recognized. And of course, you know that we are one of the few colleges that offers a bachelor's degree in automotive technology. And just the other day, I walked up there, we had an open house and was walking up with a student and he asked me where um, the College of Career Fair was at. And I said, I'm on my way over there. I'll walk you over there and asked him, what are you here for? And he said, you know, my entire life, I've loved working for cars. I love working at cars, taking them apart, putting them back together. And I found out that you have a bachelor's degree in that area. And so I, when I went up there, I would say that was the tent that had the most students lined up and female and male. And we just got a grant that is encouraging us to bring more females into the automotive industry, which is wonderful. And as you know, of course, we have Tesla program. We um, have other alternative fuel vehicle programs. And so really we're trying to move the needle. The other, we, you know, we partnered up even on that day with Disneyland um, and they were here as well. Again, meeting industry needs, making sure that we are offering courses for skill sets, whether people call them soft skills or critical skills, that we're there and listening to the industry to create programs and courses that better prepare our students for employment. I'm still trying to wrap my head around middle school students attending college. Of course, that's when I was in middle school, I would have, you know, I, I barely even knew what a college was. <laughs> um, you know, in my day, the priority of going to college after graduating high school was not as great as it is today. Um, so it's, it's, it's much better today. But I will tell you, I have taken a tour of the campus with one of the early college academy uh, classes, probably the cohort that just uh, yes. graduated just now. I remember I was with them on their first day of campus tour and just, you know, just seeing their eyes just get wide and like, wow, you know, there's, I think for a student, there is no greater thrill than stepping on a college campus for the first time, because you can see so much in your life. You can see independence in a way, because you're not hearing any bells, you know, um, if you're in class and, you know, uh, maybe you need to tend to a personal matter. I don't think you really need to ask anybody's permission. You can come and go. You, you, you study on your own. It's, it's really a, a wonderful feeling. But while we're talking about high school students and middle school students, obviously we need to bring the parents in because they, they are going to be organizing all of that. And so what do you see as the role of the parents in the community, community college system and specifically with the Rio Hondo? Um, so a lot of models that really worked and, um, you know, is, is bringing the parent along the journey. So in other words, when we have these open houses, that the parents are welcomed as well. And I say this because as a first generation college student, a second language learner, I didn't know of the systems because I didn't have anybody to ask, right? And I remember that as a youngest child of three, your expectation is that you're the child that stays home and help, you know, helps your parent. You're not supposed to go anywhere, leave anywhere. Um, and so that was the expectation of me. So I had a very difficult time explaining to my mother that I was leaving, but that I was leaving to go to college. It was a very, very difficult thing to do. It did have a strong negative impact in our relationship because she didn't understand the value of a college education. She had only gone to third grade. And so Part of it is that it's not 
her fault. It wasn't her being mean. It was her not understanding the system, not being aware, not knowing the information. And so to your point, it's very critical and it's very important that we bring the parent along the journey so they themselves see what's expected. Because as parents, we all know, we hover over our children. And when we don't have an answer, the first thing that happens is we get worried. And so bringing the parents along the journey is a critical piece. So a lot of our programs with special populations that we have, we provide a lot of opportunity for parents to join and obtain information while having a balance of understanding that you are now a college student. So part of us going out to the high schools, and you kind of touched upon this, is letting parents know they are a college student, they are going to be treated as a college student, they may be introduced to topics that are part of adults, depending on the topic that they're learning, because it is a college course. And to your point of this system of no bells and nobody's tracking your attendance or seeing if you have your absence note, you know, we do have to have conversations with the parents and the students that, yes, while there are no bells, there are participation points that are part of your grade. And how can you participate if you don't show up? So it is navigating. And some of the early beginning orientations that we do are, this is the difference between being a high school student and a college student, but here are some of the similarities. There's still expectations, there's still grading rubrics, so they understand that. And when we have parent nights, it's equally as important to share that information with them so that they understand and know how best to support their student journey. And even as a parent of a community college student, there's stuff that I still would say, well, why is that happening? And here I am the president and I'm still trying to figure this out from the, from the user end, right? From the end of the student entering. So it's really important that they are part of the journey. And I think that as far as being prepared for college, the school districts are doing a very, uh, a much better job now. Um, back in the day, I'm not sure when AVID came on the scene, but certainly that has helped many, many first-generation college goers become aware of college, prepare for college, and uh, in many cases, acquire scholarships at, uh, to, to, to go to colleges. There are more parent mentor programs. I know that last year we had one of the local school districts with a very, very good parent mentor program. And it's essentially, and it was first-generation parents teaching other first-generation parents and, and, and getting through them. So what else do you think that, that school districts can do to help the, the kids, especially uh, preparing them to, if they're not going to go to a four-year, then come to the community college? I think, the, like I mentioned before, these collaborations, I don't know if it was you or Drew, Kevin, that mentioned this, that we need to do a better job of trying to find out what students' goals and desires are. And sometimes... K-12s have choice within the district, which I think is a good model where in the district, each high school has a specialty area so that students don't, aren't forced because, oh, our school only focuses on STEM you, and that's all we have here. And this other school focuses on the fine and performing arts. And part of it is because the K-12s are challenged in that they can't provide all and everything because of their budget restrictions. And so some of the K-12 models are now becoming, we're going to have high schools that specialize in different areas and allow students the choice, right? If that's the model, then my job to really meet their needs is to bring the classes to them that reflects those students' behaviors and likes and choice. If they don't have that model, then my responsibility is to work to be able to help 
them offer those courses that they potentially can't because their budget is limited. And it, to me, it's a win-win because I'm able to bring the courses to them and students we know will succeed in them. But the beginning of it is the legwork, right? To find out what is the niche in that community or in that high school, what or what do they need? It's a complete assessment that you have to do, much like what I did with the, with the listening and learning, is what are your needs? What are you scaling up? What are you succeeding at that we can even take further? And bringing that need and that service to the, to the high school, um, maybe potentially, like I said, to the middle school, and keeping in mind that it's not one size fits all. It should be customized for the demographic needs of that high school and the programmatic needs and their ability to benefit from a program. Yeah, spot on. Just to let you know, Kevin, AVID started in 1980, and I was honored to be on the board for nine years. It's a great organization. Started down here in San Diego. Now, Dr. Flores, you had mentioned the essential workforce and the workforce of the future. I imagine you folks work closely with those organizations in your area, such as the workforce partnerships or the economic development corporations or chambers of commerce. And when you chat with them, you say, what is going to be the workforce of the future? And do we need to have more curriculum that's tied in healthcare workers? We know we've been talking about cybersecurity where it seems like forever. And if we're really going to be successful and make sure that those very high paying jobs are going to be filled, we're going to need to prepare those kids for those types of careers. That is something you folks are laser focused on. Is that right? Here at Rio, because I've only been here for a month, <laughs> I'm almost positive, but we are part of the regional consortiums. Um, right. When in my previous district, we were part of the Orange, the LAROCC, which is a Los Angeles, Orange County Regional Consortium, and then um, they split. So now I'm part of the LA Regional Consortium, and it's exactly what you just said. The consortium is providing us with data that tells us where employment is trending. Um, and it's allowing us to look to see where will there be demand and potentially create new programs. Um, an area that's growing, as you know, is, is uh, water, water treatment, wastewater treatment. Um, there's other areas that are growing that we know, um, especially post-pandemic, that things are going to change. It's continuing to be a part of those conversations. And so as a CEO, that is my intentionality to always participate, work closely with our dean and VP for career technical and of course, making sure that we continue to have those partnerships and be active and present in those regional consortium meetings that have industry giving us information. And then of course, locally, we do have partnerships. Um, I know that we have a partnership with the LA County Assessor's Office. So there's other community-based partnerships. And that's another um, item that I'm doing is I am going to be start attending, introducing myself to the chambers of the various different districts that I serve to be a voice, to listen, to see what other demands are out there that we may not be aware of. Because we, we get the regional data from LA, but when I really wanna get down to our region and our district boundaries, I'm really gonna to have to work in partnership with the chambers. Yeah, and it's such an important role that the businesses in the area play. And we all know the overwhelming amount of businesses in any region are small businesses. Those with five to 10 employees, maybe even less, not the Fortune 500 companies. And they can offer just some great opportunities for students, especially community college students, such as internships or maybe externships for the teachers. I imagine you work very closely with uh, those types of businesses in your area. In my previous sites I've been at, absolutely yes. Um, I'd have to kind of 
see where we're at here at Rio, but I know that that's always embedded within our strong workforce program efforts, um, both looking at paid and unpaid internships. I know that as I've been listening and walking around and you know, trying to figure out different opportunities, we know that students want employment. Um, sometimes and in many cases while they're at school, while they're at college. And so, you know, I'm always looking at opportunities where if I'm working with industry and they say, hey, once they complete these three classes and specifically in auto, I know we were developing some internships there. After they've reached a certain point, we're willing to hire them as a paid intern. And it's a win-win because they get to learn about the student. Um, they pay them, the student gets to get the, the, the skill set, the hands-on. But for the employer, it's kind of like a free, you know, one year kind of or one semester interview of getting to see the performance on the student and make that decision whether they want to permanently hire them or not, um, understanding that they have a certain level of skill set. So we're always looking for those types of opportunities. That's something that I've been always passionate about creating internships for our students, because ultimately that's the end goal. We want them to experience the theory and all everything that they've been reading in a practical environment, which is putting into place the skills that they've learned. Um, and the only way you can do that is putting them in the workforce through internships um, and hopefully leading them to direct employment. We're talking with Dr. Marilyn Flores here today on California School News Radio. She is the new superintendent president at Rio Hondo College. Uh, we've been having a fascinating conversation. Uh, we have just a little bit of time left in the program. And Dr. Flores, I wanted to kind of talk to you a little bit about you because uh, over, over the years as an educator, you have emerged as a role model in, in your community, you, you, you've won some awards, you've, you've won some fellowships, and you were uh, telling us uh, kind of a humorous story the other day after uh, many years ago, you were honored as an education educator of the year uh, by the Inland Empire Hispanic Image Awards. And you recently reunited with the person that gave you that award at the opening of the Cheech Marin Museum in Riverside. Uh, talk a little bit about that. That, that must have been a, a fun moment for you. It was a full circle to see that early on when I uh, started teaching bilingual students that the Hispanic lifestyle honored and made a big deal of the fact that I had gone through the journey and that I was a first gen student. And I was very, very involved with the community. This is when I started working at the community college as well. And they honored me for this award. And then full circle years later, I'm at the event and they announced the next superintendent president of Rio Hondo College, Dr. Marilyn Flores. And he comes up to me and he did make a joke about it. I hope you know that the reason why you're where you're at was because we gave you that award. <laughs> um, and so it was it was really pleasantly surprising to, to hear him say that. But I guess I've never seen myself as a role model because I felt like I just did what I was needed to do. But at the same time, I, I have to be humble and recognize that I've had a lot of Latinas specifically that have said that I did a wonderful job mentoring them. I never thought of myself as a mentor. I thought of myself more as somebody who guided them to make the right decisions. And the same thing with a lot of male students that are working in industries potentially that are not high male based, you know, um, male students that want to go into nursing or just the non-traditional, even colleagues, faculty that have moved in on into administrative positions have always been very supportive of me and have 
given me accolades for helping them out, but I've never seen myself as a role model or somebody that's in the traditional mentoring structure. It For me, it's more informally. For me, it's more walking with you through your journey, listening to you and sharing my experiences, the things that I've learned, some of the hard lessons, some of the good lessons, um, some of the hidden rules that are not as obvious to a second language learner, Latina, first gen, navigating through that and, and, and again, asking questions and putting myself out there. So it's, it's been a journey, but I would say that I wouldn't have it any other way because the struggles I believe made me more resilient and empowered me more to be more understanding and to be a little bit more humble, which I think are good skills to have as a, as a leader and to, to be able to become more of a facilitator and a mediator for, of conversations. Well, I think that you're being just a little modest here because I believe that you are a true role model. And I would imagine that many students, Latinos, Latinas, and just anybody would be inspired by your story. Uh, after all, you are superintendent president of Rio Hondo College now. That is the, a, a, about the most amazing success story that you can have in education, not just inspiring, but perhaps uh, inspiring our next generation of teachers. Uh, you mentioned that Rio Hondo has quite a few alumni that work at the school, and there is nothing better than having an alumni back in the neighborhood teaching the kids. And we see this in a lot of the school districts and places mm -hmm. that we talk to. It's always a pleasure to, to be able to, to bring these people on the program and know that they are out there. So I, I, I would imagine that you, you are very much a, a role model. Perhaps in your tour, you can uh, sidetrack over to some of the the local school districts and then pop in and have a talk with some of the students because I am sure they would greatly appreciate it. And and just on a personal note, did you get to meet Cheech at all? Uh, did you get a chance to talk to Cheech? I kind of waved from the stage. <laughs> talk about he a was, rock star. Um, I, did, I did get to see him. He did uh, give a couple few encouraging words about the richness and the diversity and the Chicano art and the contributions and why he's doing what he's doing. Um, and so I was at a front table and he was up on stage and uh, he still looks the same. He doesn't look like he's aged at all. Um, <laughs> it's still the same teeth that I knew growing up. It was a wonderful event to go to and to see the um, actual museum and the rich diversity talent coming from the Chicano partners and Latinx partners and artists that he's actually created an amazing, amazing museum. Yeah, and I think that's all to uh, Riverside's credit. Uh, you, you you spent a lot of time at UC Riverside, but also a little time at, at RCC, Riverside City College. Correct. So that's yeah. kind of how I got connected. I was part of a lot of their nonprofit organizations trying to advance education and the arts and culture. So it was a way of reconnecting. They reached out and invited me to the gala and so forth. Um, I'm still very much in, in contact with them just because I that's where I started my community college journey and was there for about 15 plus years in the community college, which is where I fell in love with the system. Okay, so that you're probably familiar with a place like Back to the Grind down in the- uh, down in the Sandwich in, store at the yeah. bottom floor, the Mission Inn. <laughs> Coffee place. <laughs> Antique store. <laughs> yes. Absolutely, yeah, Riverside, love Riverside. A lot of friends uh, that live there. <laughs> well, again, we don't we don't have a ton of time left. We know that your, your time is, is very valuable. You are the new superintendent president, and as such, you are going to help prepare the school for their 60th anniversary, which is coming up. Uh, next school year, but it gives you a full year to prepare. How excited are you for that? And I can't imagine that's been at the, you know, 
what where that is on on your list right now but uh <laughs> it, that's going to be good times i know that rio hondo uh throws a pretty good bash so <laughs> what do you all have planned there for the for the 60th so right now we are developing a task force. And so we're going to be inviting faculty, um, staff, and students, as well as administrators, along with community members, alumni. And again, we want to make sure we have students at the table to plan for this event. It'll be in August of 2023. And we are looking at a full day of festivities. So the idea is we start early in the morning, uh, with different opportunities for the community to join us on the campus, given their schedule, whether in the morning, afternoon, they could stay all day and end in the evening time with hopefully a showcase of cultural arts and different uh, overview of programs, both academic and student oriented. Um, so kind of a, a celebration of the culture and the richness of Rio Hondo, while also opening our home to the community to learn more about us. So we're really excited on that. And uh, Ruthie, Ritana is in charge of that. So I'm sure she'll put do a wonderful job. I will just give additional input and information. But as you as you said, Rio Hondo knows how to do a good bash. And so I'm not going to disrupt their planning as they do it well. Well, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Ruthie Ritana is our friend here at VMA. And uh, we, lo we love working with her. Drew, do you have any, we're, we're good, but we're just about at the end. So do you have any uh, final questions or, or, or comments for Dr. Flores? No final questions, just wishing you nothing but great success. And we know that's going to come from your passion for what you're doing. And we'd love to have you come back on somewhere down the road when you've got your sea legs all set with Rio Hondo College and find out what's been going on uh, since you started this job. Thank you. I appreciate your time and, and your attention and your role with really asking some really good, tough questions and, and getting um, down to the core and the heart of what we are as institutions of, of higher education. So I appreciate that. You, you talked earlier about, you know, you, to get to Rio Hondo, you need to have a pulse. We're not sure Drew has a pulse because he's the ice man. He's the ice man. He is, he is cool under pressure. <laughs> I don't know if about any, that. <laughs> Well, well, Dr. Flores, uh, generally at the end of the program, we, we want to give you a chance to uh, give a few shout outs uh, on your own. If you if you would like to now, uh, th this would be the time. If, uh, you know, is, is anybody you want to thank or say hi to, uh, please go ahead. And I would start by saying thank you to all of Rio Hondo for really giving me the most welcoming, um, appreciative, you know, environment over the last month. Nothing but positive. Even in areas that we say we're going to, you know, we have a challenge here and there, the optimism is just wonderful. I mean, it's great to get up in the morning and want to come to work um, because everybody is just so positive right now. And I joke around and say I'm in my honeymoon stage, but I said I have no problem being on a honeymoon for more than a year, two years or three years. I'm okay with that. And I do also want to thank our board of trustees. Same. They've been nothing but welcoming, um, very positive, very supportive. And I feel like, how can I fail at this when I have such a supportive group? I can't. There's only one way to go up for me. I feel it's up because of the level of support and dedication coming from this college. And so I do want to shout out to the entire Rio Hondo community, both within the college, outside, and of course, to our board of trustees. So I thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. And, and, and there's just one thing that you're not telling us, is it? 
because you recently celebrated a birthday, didn't you? (laughs) (laughs) We can can tell, we can see the balloons in the background. So so happy birthday, Dr. Flores. And it was so great to have you on the program today. And that does it. That is uh, another California School News Radio in the books. Uh, We'd like to thank Dr. Marilyn Flores for being our guest today and hope that you will come back and visit us soon at a later date. We'd uh, also like to thank my co-host Drew Schlossberg here and our team. We have a a great team with us. Uh, We have Andrew Landeros and Kelly Wynn helping us with the with the show today, Ad Santel is our, our crack engineer. Uh, we have Andy Torres and Danny Paulus in our outreach department. Uh, I'd like us especially to thank uh, Ray Mendoza, the hardest working education team in communications. And also, of course, Val Martinez of VMA, who allows us to do this show each and every week. So that's it. We will see you maybe not next week, but in a couple of weeks when the school season is back upon us. So until then, stay safe and stay educated. We'll see you then.